the mid part of the cavern that they were going to turn all the lights off. I've never had an appreciation for darkness. I've always loved flashlights. And even back as a child, I thought, we should have brought a flashlight. And, but then I asked a few questions, and nobody else was inquiring this in my family, but I asked a few questions. When they turned the lights off, will anybody have a flashlight? And they said, yes, the guide will. And so I told my mom and dad, let's do this. I don't care where everybody else is going to go in the deep part of that cavern. When we get there, I want to be standing next to the guy with the flashlight. And they turned all the lights off, and, 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 and he talked for a while, but immediately turned the light back on. And it's amazing the power of that light. And to a little boy who didn't understand darkness and light and didn't fully understand spiritual things at that point, I recognized that I needed to be close to the one that had light. And the hope that we have in this world and the help that we have in this world is to be close to the light, to possess the light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who fathers me will never walk in darkness. And he gives us hope. I want you to look in the Bible, if you have in the Bible, and, and find Isaiah chapter 9. And then I want us to all stand together and I want us to read it from the screen. Uh, or if you have the translation I have or look at the screen, we'll all stand together. And let's look on the screen. And I want to look at Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to read this together in honor of God. Uh, and I want you to read it out loud with me so you have it on the screen. We're going to begin reading when I drop my hand. And it's Isaiah chapter 9. Begin reading in, in, verse, in verse 2. And so if you have your Bibles, look on the screen and we'll look in verse 2 and we'll begin. Everybody? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. You have shattered the oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did in the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. And so let's pray together and ask God to bless this message on Christmas hope. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we stand and read this to you in these verses in Isaiah chapter 9, may we recognize that this Christmas, as all the Christmas before us, there's always been hope because of Jesus. That was the message of Isaiah, and it's a message we read today. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Christmas hope. Lewis Smedes asked, Is there hope when hope is taken away? Is there hope when the situation is hopeless? That question, he says, leads to Christian hope in the Bible. Hope is no longer a passion for the possible. It becomes a passion for the promise. And that's what we have as believers. We believe there's a promise of hope out there for our world and for us. Claire Booth Rice wrote this, There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. And that's what we are in this world. Hope. We have need for hope. And all of us need hope. Billy Graham said, everybody needs God, and everybody that needs God can find their hope in Him. 
In fact, I read this illustration the other day about, uh, about the need for things in life. One of the things said this, did you realize that you can live 40 days without food? After yesterday, I think I can leave 44 this week, you know. But, but you can live 40 days without food. You can live 10 days without water. That's two days without Dr. Pepper, but 10 days without water. But then you can live for three to five minutes without air. But you can't live at all without hope. We look at our hope. We need hope. No one can survive without hope. Rick Warren, the famous pastor from California, said when, it spoke, when you talk, talk about hope, he said, all of us need to remember this. And say this out. I'm going to say this. I'm going to get you to repeat it to me. We need hope to cope. Now say that. We need hope to cope. And we do. Wherever you are in your life, whatever situation, whatever challenges you have, you need hope. We need hope to cope. The people of Israel had lost their hope. And Isaiah was the lone prophet that God sent to proclaim hope to a, a nation that had wandered away from God, a nation who declined, de, de, denied God. And he gave them a message, which he didn't know this word, a Christmas message, but he gave them a message about a Messiah, a Messiah that would become their Savior. So I want to share with you a few principles about Isaiah's chapter that we read today. First of all, all of us need hope. We need hopes in times of darkness. The Bible says in verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Hey, i got to tell you something, folks. People can be around a million lights and still be walking in darkness. We took our two youngest grandchildren out to Vitruvian Lights last night. If anybody went out there last night, you're along with us. I was the only crazy one, Sue, and I was the only crazy. With, there are hundreds of people out there, but everybody's looking at all these impressive lights but the whole time I say, look at this light, look at this light. I heard, heard several different languages spoke. But I never heard when people are observing the lights of the Vitruvian uh, Park out there, nobody's talking about God. We need hope. We need hope in God. In fact, the, the, Isaiah said the people have walked in darkness. They've seen a great light. Don't you wish, don't you really wish, don't you really hope that one day our world would come back and see God for a fresh time, a new time, to see him as the light of the world? Hope, hope. And when you look at this message of Isaiah, he predicted the light. And there in the scripture, there's a predicted light in Jesus. There is a promised light. And he says this light is something that cannot go away. The Bible says that, that the light shines in darkness, Jesus said. And as long as the light shines in darkness, the darkness will never overcome the light. One little light, one little light can change the world. As we've been with our children uh, the last couple of days, uh, we sang over and over, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We, we've sang the songs about light. And I kept thinking about these songs this week. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. But the light of the world is what, folks? Jesus. We need light. Light does three things for us. Light rescues us. Light rescues us. You could be in the deepest tunnel, the darkest place, and you need light. I tell my grandchildren about the time one time when I walked down and got down into the the storm sewer in my house because ducks followed their way down in there. My neighbor comes to say, uh, you got to go in there after them. He said, somebody's got to do it. I said, I can't do it. Said, you got to do it. I'm too old. So we lift the little circle thing. One of what you call those things. It says bass and haze on there. Lift that off and, 
and he holds me by one hand, I hold him one hand, and he lowers me down, and I skinny. I don't think I can do that anymore. I skinny down the thing, and it was almost dark time by the time I got down there. When I got down there, it was dark. But guess what? I wasn't in the dark because you know what Jerry Hayes did? Jerry Hayes carried a flashlight with him. And I love to tell this story. And you've heard this say before. You can hold up two fingers. You've heard this before. I got heard this before. I got to say this. I, Jerry Hayes, have saved ducks. <laughs> Ducklings. I've saved them. But, but I couldn't find them all because one kind, you know, if you ever know how a sewer works, you have the main chamber, and then you get into this little chamber that goes out deeper. And there were a couple of them headed in deeper. So I got to go in this way. Then I got to stretch in this way, skinny down through there. No. But I did because I had a light. And I was able, because of that light, rescue two little ducks that had wandered away. And I want you to know the whole world is lost in the darkness of sin. We have to tell them. We have to show them that Jesus is the light of the world. And they've lost, and they're going down tunnels and straying around places that they don't belong. And they'll be doomed for destruction if we don't reach them. We have the message of light. We have hope in times of darkness. The second thing we see in this text is verse 4. For you have, scat- you have shattered the oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders. We have hope in time of distress. Hey, I don't know about you. Have you done the studies? The most stressful time of the year for people in the world, especially America, is what? Christmas. I understand that. We're trying to weave our way through Vitruvian Park, and I'm thinking... Do we have to make another turn because we'll be stuck and then people are yank, honking and, and pushing each other and shoving people. I'm thinking, I want to be out of there. I, wanna, I mean, but, but once we got parked, it was pretty nice, I'll tell you. Go, so go see it. But I was all stressed up thinking, there's no hope for us in Vitruvian Park. For you have shattered the oppressive yoke. But guess what? Somebody just at the right time pulled out and gave me a parking place. They saw me coming. There comes Pastor Jerry. Let me give him my place. I don't know. <clears throat> but, I was also, but then we got down in there, and we saw our two grandchildren ooh and awe over the lights, and the stress fell over me, off of me. Light removes stress. The light of Jesus takes away your stress. Are you in time of stress? There, I think we're stressed for three reasons in the world. We're stressed because the troubles of this world. This world's got issues. How many knows this world's got issues? And I want to sing that song. In fact, let me sing a little bit. Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world. The troubles of the world. The troubles. I'm not a good singer, but I like it. So soon. Hey, hey, here's the message of hope. Here's the message of life. Soon and very soon, we will be done with the troubles of this world. Soon. We're troubled, of the, we're troubled by this world. And then we are stressed over the temptation of the world. And you think, well, I'm not under temptation. Then let me tell you, but why don't you eat that extra piece of pie? Yeah, you are. We're all tempted by something. We're tempted. We're troubled. We, we're stressed because of the, and, and I had to look this up, if this is a real wor- word, because I, I just did it on Siri. Siri, is this a real word? We're, we're stressed, dis, distressed over the tiredness of life. Anybody tired out there? Hey, let me tell you something. The older I get, the, the, the more pains I find. 
Can I get a witness out there? The older, I mean, in fact, I showed somebody the other day, I have to put in lights on the roof and lights here at the church. I went to my physical rehab because of a back issue I had. And she goes, how's your soreness? I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you, can, you, can I just tell you where I am sore and not where I'm not sore? And I said, in other words, let me tell you, I'm sore in my feet. I'm sore in my ankles. I'm sore in my, I'm sore in my, my knee where I kicked the wall. I'm sore in my back. I'm sore in my nose. It hurts. I'm tired. I'm glad we got all these lights up. Amen? All these 100,000 or 60,000 lights from 5,000 home. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm distressed. I'm, yeah. We're tired. The battles of Israel had them stress. They were tired. They were in the state of wishing for rest, wanting a vacation, wanting a victory, and they found hope in God. They found hope in the message of Isaiah. Isaiah said, I'm going to stand up and tell you that I have a victory for you. I came across an article the other day about, and I wrote my own stuff because I like my stuff better. <laughs> I, and I did, it was an article was basically titled "How to Cure Christmas Stress." Now, this is Jerry Hayes stuff. I, I, I'm not quoting anybody because I can't give them credit for it because I just got started. I put their stuff aside and I came up with my own. I've got five. You want to jot these down? How to cure Christmas stress? Let me give you number one. First of all, recognize your problem or our problem. We put too much stuff on us. You don't have to be a miracle worker at Christmas. The miracle is already done. Don't get past all the stress and, and lose sight. This is not about you. It's not about your decoration. It's not about your gift of giving. It is your, your joy of the fact that the great message is Jesus came. That takes away the stress. Recognize the problem. We look beyond and around him and not see him. That's a problem. Secondly, give yourself a break. And I just have a recommendation on how to give yourself a break and when to do it. Here it is, folks. You heard this. This is the only person you're ever going to hear this said for in this church. Or in any church, they're going to hear this. There, there are three ways to find hope. And three, rather three times to find it. Here it is. You're going to know as soon as I say it. Have some relief at 10, 2, and 4. <laughs> Just sit back and have a Dr. Pepper, have a Coke, or have some coffee at Starbucks, that other place. And so wherever you go, go have, just recognize that you need a break. Take a coffee break. Take a nap, folks. But don't, have, don't be given over to stress. Take some rest. I talked to a guy the other day. The fact is, I had a conversation with him. And he, I got involved in it. And he says, how would you do on Thanksgiving Day? And one guy said, how'd you do? I said, how'd y'all do? And I said, well, I didn't eat too much. And we got a little exercise doing stuff and, 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 and working. And he says, I ate and slept on the couch the rest of the day. I'm not suggesting you have that long of a break, folks. Just take a break. Number three. And I've turned to more spiritual answers here. If you're going through a time of distress, turn to God in prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4. Listen, there is somewhere to turn to. Don't live without hope. Number four, meditate on God's word. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 3 says, look into his word and think about it and dwell on it. 
Sometimes it's just the times it took to meditate. Just take a passage and think about it and rejoice in it. And then number five, if you want to lose your stress, if you want to lose your stress, memorize a verse. And I want to write down a verse. I want you to jot this down. Everybody jot it down or get on your phone. I want you to put down this verse. This will help you at Christmas season. It's Isaiah 26, 3. Here it is. You will keep in perfect peace the mind that is fixed upon you. And I will promise you this, that when we are looking away from God, our stresses increase. But when we see Him, our stresses are released. Look away, increase. Look to and watch those be relieved. We can do that. Make sure you find that peace. There's a wonderful song about Christmas hope. My new song, and the title of it is New Home, New Hope, and Christmas Hope by New Song. They, they write a series of words that I want you to think about how to, about what hope does. They write, hope is a candle, a light in the window, showing the way for a heart to come home. And no matter who you are or where you are or who you know, there is a light that says to them, come home, come back to God. Then, then they write, hope is a, a present, a gift freely given to all who receive and open their hearts. Hope is a promise for a better tomorrow in a world full of sorrow. We always have hope, our Christmas hope. I want to challenge you. Don't live without hope. Make sure you find your hope. We have hope in the darkness. We have hopes in time of distress. And then we have hope that there's going to be a time of deliverance. Here's what all the pressure that Isaiah said comes down and kind of sums up in verse 6. For unto us a child is given. Deliverance. The, The definition of deliverance is this. The act of being rescued or set free. Hey, how many know this in this room? We have been set free by God. Nobody in this room, if you know Jesus as your Savior, will you ever have to pay for one stinking, rotten sin you committed. You've been delivered by the grace of God, and that gives you hope. And when you reach death's door, you will be delivered from the power and pains of death because He can raise the dead, and He will reunite your body with your soul to one day walk on the streets of gold. We are set free by the love and power. We are delivered from the darkness by Jesus. We have hope. There's a time of deliverance. I remember years ago, my brothers did some crazy stuff when there's no TV to watch or no good TV because the rabbit ears didn't work. You have two brothers, you do goofy things. So we decided we're going to wrap each other up in, in a blanket and just kind of tight as we could. So Steve and Mike put me on the floor, that wooden floor, and wrapped me up in a blanket, tucked it under the feet, picked me up, threw me on the sofa, and sat on me. That's the first time I ever realized that I needed a Savior. And since I didn't know Jesus yet, I called the very next best thing. And here it is. Mama! Mama! They're killing me in here. They're, they're, they're causing me to suffer. I can't breathe. My, she comes in, and my mom, and I love, I'll just say this, she's a big lady. I mean, she's a tough lady. She's, she's 5'10 or 11, 12, I don't know. That'd be six foot, I guess. And so she's taller. She gets, and she throws them off and unrolls me. And I'm spinning. <laughs> Jerks that out from under me. Hey, I, I knew that I was stuck. And I want to tell you something. If you're stuck, 
Our deliverer is coming. Your deliverer is not far away. Say this in your heart, not out loud, but in your heart right now. Say this, my deliverer is coming. What does this mean? This word mean, a son is given. Isaiah is talking about Jesus, folks. That there was a son given to the world. He's talking about the gift of Jesus. He's talking about John 3.16. It's not John 3.16, but it is John 3.16 in the Old Testament. For God so loved the world, he gave a son. A son was given. And he says it again in John 3.16. I gave my son. He gave him, predicted in the Old Testament, and shows up in the New Testament. The son given. That is a hope, folks. That's hope. I love the banner we have in the yard. Brian printed the banner. We have some gift boxes out there. I get a lot of press from people asking about this sign. People take pictures when we put it out there by Jesus, our best gift. And if you were to go through testimonies of what your best gift last Christmas would be, you might number a bunch of different things. But folks, we should never forget this. Our best gift was Jesus who came to deliver us from our sins. Why is Jesus our best gift? Because he delivers us from three things. Jesus delivers us from the penalty of sin. Here it is, folks. Romans 5.8. For the wages of sin is death. I don't know about you. Death is a scary thing, isn't it? If you really think about it, I'm a funeral speaker from time to time, and I bring up and I have the responsibility to talk about death. But it's easy to talk about death about other people. But the Bible says the living know they'll die. And if that's true, we have to ask, if the living know they'll die, why is it that people have to die? Let me tell you why people have to die. According to the Bible and according to this verse, for the wages, the payment, the result of sin is that you're going to die and I'm going to die. And this is the result of it. And the Bible says that there's a great hope. But the free gift of God is eternal life. I can't even imagine living in this day of this world and all the scary things that happen and all the things that happen make you worry about potential death. The, the, the possibility of terrorist attacks will make you think about death. The possibility of abuse and sickness and corruption and accidents and the whole thing makes you think about that death. But listen, the deliverance we have in Jesus is that even though sin causes death, Jesus gives life. Amen, amen. This is a gift, folks. It's a gift. Jesus delivers us from the penalty of sin. And this Messiah that Isaiah is talking about delivers us from the practice of sin. You don't have to sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, in fact, is what shall we say to these things? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may be abound? Absolutely not. But in verse 15 it says this, having been set free from sin. And I want to just preach that message just a little bit, a little bit to all of us today. People who are believers in Jesus need to stop being poor advertisement to people who are outside the church because they see us sin as, as much and as often and as wicked as they are. They don't see a change in our life. We're a poor advertisement to the new generation that needs to accept Jesus Christ. But you've been set free. This means this. You don't have to sin. And the gift of God is to rescue you from your sin. And then Jesus rescues us and delivers us from the pain of sin. The pain of sin is that we would pay the price for doing something wrong. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. Here's what this means. 
that Jerry Hayes is a sinner, but he will never have to pay for one dirty, stinking, rotten sin he committed because I have hope in Jesus Christ who delivered me from the pain of death. I end out with this story about Rich Mullins who wrote the song, My Deliverer is Standing By. My Deliverer. I read on his website about that song, a man named Stephen responding about this deliverance of Jesus. Here's what Stephen writes, and I think we can kind of connect to him and or know someone that does connect to this. Stephen writes, I was kicked out by the religious fanatics in my church because I wasn't a good enough Christian. Some called me a carnal Christian. He writes, I haven't been to church for 30 years. In fact, I've lived a very sinful life. But Jesus recently directed me to this song by Rich Mullins. And this song started a change in me. Jesus came for me in that song. This song says that Jesus had not forgotten me. He wanted to rescue me, deliver me. He wants me to come home. I say today, my deliverer has come. I've made the decision to re-enter the spiritual life and to live for Jesus again. Then he pauses and says this. I, however, still need to find a church to attend. But I'm scared of church. I'm scared. I close the book and say this to each of us. All of us know people who've been hurt by the church. We've been wounded by the tough stuff in church. We may have participated in calling people less than they should be called and, and expecting too much of them and condemning them. We need to stop doing that and come back to say, as the song says in the Christmas hole, her wish this Christmas was that Christmas would just pass her by. Nothing could reach her or answer her questions why. She feels so alone and wonders. Where has hope gone? Let's make up our mind as a congregation. We're going to lift up hope. Let's look at people and see people, not through eyes of condemnation, but see people who have great potential and people that can have hope in God. And let's share that message of hope, Christmas hope. Let's share it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, help us to see this message today and to respond correctly to it. We have hope. And I just want to just say a little prayer, Lord. All of us in this room can have somebody pop into our mind that's given up on God, that's given up on hope. Maybe their way back is the prayer that you pray for them this morning. Maybe their way back is the encouragement you give to them this week. Maybe, maybe your way back is being here today. I'm going to ask many of you to come to the altar and pray. 
somebody came to your mind as I've talked about this now, and I'm going to be at the altar myself. Somebody that's gotten away from God, got away, they've lost their hope in God. They need to come home. Come home to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, send those who need to make decisions as we pray at the altar that we become messengers of Christmas hope this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Okay. 